Hello everyone and welcome into a special episode of the Irish NFL show. I'm Colin Cronin and today delighted to be joined by somebody who I think we can consider a good friend of the show from TalkSport, from Sky Sports. You know her from your TV screens, you know her from the analysis um, that she offers. One of the very best to do it, Phoebe Schechter. Welcome back to the Irish NFL show. Thank you so much. I feel like the last time I was on here was probably when we were stood across from Tottenham Stadium. I mean, pretty incredible scenes back then as well. But thank you for having me back. I'm delighted to have the opportunity to to talk to you. And uh, yeah, obviously that the game at, at Spurs. And since then, we have seen the, the further expansion of the NFL globally. Uh, we now know that with the Azteca being redeveloped very likely that we'll add yet more games to Europe and I think um, that is something that will only continue to to grow but maybe that actually offers us a kind of a, a nice kind of in, intro or into a, a role that was announced um, a few weeks back and, and congratulations again you are a global ambassador now for for flag football and can, can you talk to me about that and let our listeners know kind of what's involved there Phoebe? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, the role was so exciting because amongst some incredible players, amongst some big names, you know, you've got Chase Claypool and Russell Wilson and, you know, just athletes across the board, which is just amazing. And for the NFL to be putting this together, really the base of it all starts from the idea that flag football, our non-contact version of American football, is going to be the version of the sport that gets into the Olympics, hopefully in 2028. So they did their first trials this summer at the World Games in Alabama, uh, where Mexico women came first and USA men came first. So, but there are people from all over the world competing. And that was the first kind of step to think, hey, can we make this a viable sport for the Olympics? Now, similar to rugby sevens, instead of having full rugby in the Olympics, because it's a sport that keeps moving, it's quick, you can play more games, less people are involved and all of that. So now the NFL and, and IFAF, our International Federation of American Football, have joined together. We've created this global flag football ambassadors program, and it's really just to support, help to grow, create awareness, you know, any initiatives that we want to kind of create off of that, which is always exciting. Um, we'll actually be this summer in Limerick uh, for the flag football world uh, European championships which is really exciting in August. So we'll actually be in Ireland. <laughs> well, uh, we'll be delighted to to welcome you. And obviously, I I, I know Limerick uh, has a, they have a fantastic uh, American football team down there in the University of Limerick, the UL Vikings. Uh, they've been going for quite some time. There's actually a good friend of mine, Liam Ryan, who was very involved in setting them up. And they too, obviously, have um, a tradition with flag football. And um, as you said, I mean, a part of the, I suppose, the attraction with flag is that anyone can can get involved. And, and yeah, you mentioned Rugby Sevens there. I think we are beginning more and more to see maybe Brett Gosper's influence um, <laughs> on, on the NFL and certainly as a way of, of engaging uh, people um, around the world, um, which is fantastic to, to see. And I think Phoebe, maybe one of the other things that, you know, has come up this year um, and partly like 
some of it isn't has been because of negative storylines, but has it raised awareness? I'm thinking in terms of like that it, partly one of the great things about flag football is it allows for diversity. I mean, I'm thinking about the NFL um, and, and in relation to diversity. We've obviously had the Deshaun Watson scandal. And, you know, I, I think the the 11 game ban, which almost everyone universally agreed wasn't enough. Um, but this is what the league did. But it, it, it did allow people to maybe talk a, about something that hadn't been that discussed before. Um, and I'd also obviously the, the Dan Schneider situation in Washington, which is leading what we what we, it would seem in terms of, you know, the um, the sale of that. And maybe that has taken away a, a little bit from, you know, when you were last on, I think we were talking about like the first female referee we have seen, you know, I'm, I'm thinking Kelly Klein at the Broncos and various others. Um, and, and it's just becoming for fortunately just a more normal thing but I, i'm just wondering in terms of what we have seen this season and in terms of where we are with diversity in football do you feel that like it has taken a step forward or is the negativity we've seen this year meant that it has taken a slight step back and where do we go well i think you know just to only briefly hit on the the kind of deshaun watson thing i think Actually, the amount of women that we have in within the NFL, within American football now, you know, yes, the 11 game ban was never going to be enough. But I do think that previously it probably never would have even been that if we didn't have so many females with strong, powerful voices stating how they felt about the situation. So, you know, I think they're trying to trying to find a way to take the good from that, because I think it would literally have just been let slide before if, if people weren't didn't feel confident enough to voice how they felt about the situation. Um, and I think, you know, even for a lot of people, for ourselves as commentators, you know, how to mitigate the situation of, do we talk about it? Do we not talk about it? How does that work? And I know for a lot of us, we've just kind of gone with the thought that, hey, you know, we won't, we won't mention him where we don't have to. We can talk about the players around him. We, you know, they're not a reflection of who he is and, um, you know, I think it's just a, a situation that I don't think many people agree with, and it is what it is, but um, we move. So, and then you look at it from a diversity perspective, and especially the Browns organization, you know, they have Callie Bronson. They also have uh, Catherine Raich, who came from the CFL, who is the highest paid kind of NFL, you know, hierarchy and uh, woman in, within the NFL right now. And I think the diversity is is there, right? There are more females, there are um, more ethnic minorities. I think there's probably one less noise about them nowadays, which is a good thing in some ways, because for all of us, we just want to be good at our jobs. We don't want to have, hey, you're a woman or hey, you know, whatever your background is, like, that's why you're good. You just want to be, I'm a great coach. I'm a great scout or however that looks for you. And I think also just in terms of you know, there are more people working at all levels now. So it's not just the forward-facing coaches or, you know, front of office staff. You've got so many, so many people within the athletic training, within sports science that are kind of all around an organization that there's diversity everywhere and it's just becoming the norm. And, and literally that is the ultimate goal. You know, I know Sam Rappaport, who really 
started our women's careers forum back in the day now that was literally what she was trying to drive towards is how can we make a situation where it's not spoken about so i think in some ways it's a good thing now i do think we have to keep pushing and i think you know we have these pathways in place um i just saw the other day that the nfl put on basically a careers forum to getting more people into like front office roles outside of coaching you know that's that's brilliant and it always comes back to if you don't know what something looks like or feels like, how do you know what it's going to be like at the top or at that level? You know, you're just kind of guessing. And if we can give people a bit of help and get them opportunities to just be in that environment and understand what the standards and expectations are and where you're you're working towards, I just think that gives you such a better chance in life. Yeah, um, I mean, as as you said, it, it's good to hear, I suppose, that, that progress has been made and, and maybe we've moved on from a time when progress was glacial um, mm -hmm. to when it is a little bit quicker. There definitely um, is still work to do across the board and perhaps in, in what we are probably a week away from a number of teams making um, head coaching decisions and, and, co and, and coordinator decisions. And you would hope maybe as well that this is a cycle where we do see uh, more minority coaches get the opportunity to, to be head coaches. And it, I suppose it's all, it's all part of that. And um, I, I kind of may, maybe kind of going from um, so some of the, those sorts of topics into the, um, the, this season thus far. And obviously, look, we are recording this um, the day after Damar Hamlin. And, you know, I, I know you have strong um, ties to the Bills and it was very shocking. And we do send our best, very best wishes to, to Damar and, and all those involved because, it, you know, it's obviously for him and his family. Um, but you could see um, how, how distraught everyone um, was. And I suppose for for me, what what stood out is um, how quickly the medical teams responded, which was great to see because we've come a long way. Um, I am old enough to remember when Mark Vivian Foy um, passed away on the pitch um, for the Cameroon, which was 20 years ago now. Um, and, and fortunately, lessons have been learned from that very unfortunate event. And we've seen now with Christian Eriksen last year and hopefully with DeMar, though um, the stat is very up in the air. But um, Phoebe, I suppose as, as somebody who, who was so connected to, to the Bales, um, how how like what it, it was just an awful sight as somebody disconnected but a lover of football to watch it and watch it play out last night as somebody with, with connection it must have been incredibly difficult for you yeah and i think it's you know it's it's family right like you look at all those people that are there and like how it affects them and you know that's your your brother who you're on the field with you do anything with you go into tackles with you do all this and to see someone, especially like you look at someone from an outsider who's a, this elite athlete and you just see them in this vulnerable state and so much uncertainty around them. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the amount of people that this affects, right? It's the medical staff. It's the, you know, the the team chaplain was, was bringing everyone together at the end and having a prayer together and the other team. But I mean, it's just, it becomes quite emotional because there's no way you can't watch that and just think this is a young 24 year old man with a whole life ahead of him. You know, there's so much more to life than just football. And I think it's really, sometimes we get so caught up in that 
but he's a human and he's, you know, he's got family. And, and I think it was, you know, to see the way that the team reacted and I've spoken to a bunch of the guys today and a bunch of the staff today and everyone's just, you know, praying and waiting. I know, um, Stefan went to the hospital last night to see him. And, you know, I think it also just shows how much he means to people, you know, and, and how much, how much you just want to like support someone. And, and I, you know, with his organization getting over a million in donations and, and just, it was crazy last night watching it. And then everyone online, every, everyone, you didn't even have to be involved in sport, seeing all the different teams posting about it. And, you know, just like everyone coming together and like sharing their prayers. I know there's that one shot of, uh, that Buffalo put out of the prayer circle, but then all the different tweets from everybody, you know, it's incredible how, Sport can unify people as well. And I think that has its own like emotional, special feel to it, but so glad that they didn't play the game. I don't know how anyone could handle that. And I think, you know, being really cognizant going forward, what we do, how do we support these athletes, the coaches, you know, reach out to some of the coaches and speaking to them and seeing how they're feeling, you know, it's not easy. It's almost like you're with this person every single day and it could happen to anybody. And, and I'm, I'd be interested to see if if after this, some people might even step back just from the sport and just think actually there's more to it. And that's not to say that, you know, playing, you know, we, we choose to play this sport. We choose to be involved in this. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, but a cardiac arrest is is no joke. And it like we saw, it can happen so quickly. And it's just a very just it's just emotional. You know, it's just yeah, it's a it's football family to the core. So just sending lots of love and thoughts and prayers to to Damar and his his whole family. Yeah, absolutely, and you really did see the community come together. Uh, one of the things that that really stood out last night was probably the the leadership of, of both head coaches. Um, I, I'm interested, Phoebe, as somebody who has the, those connections, and I've talked to others a, 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 about this over the past couple of weeks. But as somebody you know with those connections, I'm interested. Sean McDermott and um, Brian Bean, in terms of what they have done, we saw this year that you know they lost Brian Dable, and you've seen the job he he has done. I mean, and Joe Shane, right? So those two guys lead two incredibly capable individuals who have really transformed the Giants in just the the course of one season because they inherited quite a mess from Dave Gettleman and, and turned it around. But it's like the Bills didn't miss a beat despite those guys moving on. And in terms of McDermott as, as a leader and, and in terms of the, the GM, how how do you do that? How do you lose somebody with that level of talent and you're just able to continue as as if, you know, nothing has happened? I think it comes down to a couple of things. I think the depth of which you have people that are understanding and that are up to the challenge. I think the ultimate thing that, you know, I've always said Coach McDermott did from the beginning was bringing everyone along on his vision and instilling that culture and what that repeated messaging is, where he believed he wanted the Bills to be from day one, from the second he walked to the building. So that was very clear what he wanted. And I think when you have that and there's no question in terms of where you're going and you see it actually working and you believe in it, you know, you, you drink the juice, so to speak, kind of like the Patriot way, right? I mean, Bill Belichick has a very clear way of how he does things. It's the same with Coach McDermott now. They're they're different ways for sure, but I think when you have that, 
whether it's first man up, second man up, third man up, you all are, you all know what that role is. You all know the direction and the vision. So I think that makes it much easier. And, and plus the fact that, you know, Dable was a big part of Josh's development. Absolutely. You know, been there with him since day one. They went through their ups and downs together. We all, we all saw that, but I think most of the staff apart from that has been pretty much the same, a couple changes here and there. And, but there's really not that many people that are absolutely brand new to the organization. Um, and so I think that plays a really big role too. I mean, defensively, that's been exactly the same, basically same with the players. And that's key, you know, and you see even some of the guys that McDermott brought back this year, um, Dean Marlowe's come back, um, Cole Beasley, like the fact that you're pulling back guys that have always been a part of that culture. They might not have been able to keep them for financial reasons or whatever previously, but those guys add to the team. And because they've had everyone from a young age too, you've got Josh, Tredavious, White, Deion Dawkins, Tremaine Edmonds. Like you've got people all sides of the ball who've been there from their rookie years and now you've developed them and built them and there's not many opportunities or many times in the NFL now where you see teams who get these kids in really young, build them and keep them and develop them into what they want them to be. So, I mean, nothing takes away from the fact that Coach McDermott is by far one of the greatest leaders that I have been around. And and I'll never forget even my first meeting, staff meeting with them. I was hung on every word he was saying because I was like, oh my gosh, I believe in this. Like everything that you're saying is what I believe in, in myself as my own personal values and and what I believe in for an elite organization, but grassroots organizations as well. And I think when you've got someone that can speak to this high level, but can also speak to grassroots, I think that's really quite special. Yeah, no, it really is. And I think there's probably another podcast in it because I think what's fascinating is why you know, the culture is is absolutely key, and you're right. But when you when I look at say Bill Belichick or I look at Alex Ferguson, two men who were incredibly successful, had incredible cultures within their organizations, but when their assistants left or uh, and went elsewhere, they really struggled. And you you see, you take McDermott or you take Andy Reid. And, and you look at the success, uh, and obviously McDermott is, is kind of is a lot younger than Andy. But you look at Andy's like uh, coaching tree or Sean McVay's and the ability for those guys to, to go on first. It's, it's just it's fascinating and and something um, that that I I think um, you know over the course of the next maybe five ten years will be interesting to to see how that spreads out further. One of the, this has been maybe a season of surprises. Um, uh, you know, you go with how disappointed the Broncos have been to how, you know, surprisingly um, good the the Seahawks have been. The fact that the 49ers are on QB3 and yet they are the league's informed team. And the fact that the Lions are the great entertainers of the NFL. For, for you, I, I'm what what have been your kind of um, highlights, your takeaways, um, some of the things that have um, stood out to you from the 2022 season, Phoebe? Man, I mean, I think we've been so lucky this whole season with some of the games that we've had. I mean, I'd loved even two weeks ago, was it now, the Eagles-Cowboys game. I mean, to see a game like that where it's like tit for tat the whole time, that excitement, I mean, nothing can take away from Germany. 
you you know exactly the atmosphere. I mean, that was Super Bowl esque, in my opinion. I felt like that was one of the best atmosphere atmospheres we've been in. But we've just seen the rise of these athletes that like they just keep raising the bar in terms of you know what they're able to do. Some of what Mahomes we know he's special, but some of the things that he still continues to do, the Mahomes magic is alive watching some of the young guys come up like watching trevor lawrence this year he's been great um sauce gardner you know some of these players that are making these incredible plays at young ages i think that's been so impressive um but i mean these games have just kept us on our our toes i'd say most of it like the amount of times i'm like stood up just watching this i can't it's too exciting to sit down and that's that's what the nfl want that's the parody that they want that's the excitement i mean thinking we're going into week 18 and we still have a lot of games to be decided, you know, to get into the playoffs. I just, yeah. Do you have a favorite from this season? Um, I think what, what has stood out to, to me probably is the um, two two things. One, um, and obviously they're now hit by injuries, but I I, I really like uh, what the Eagles have done, and and it's interesting in terms of. Oh, I I spoke to Bo Wolf, who is a, a beat reporter for, and he covers the Eagles for the Athletic. But I mean, they did look at options in terms of replacing Jalen Hurts in the off season. I think they're very glad that didn't happen, and I think Jalen missing the past couple of games has maybe only strengthened his MVP claim. But I, I think it was impressive in terms of, and and maybe you know Sean McDermott actually inspired partly how we're seeing teams um, help their young QBs and lean into their strengths, which is really, really impressive. Um, maybe also this will finally be a year where, and it should be recognized all the time, but the importance of O-line guys when, you know, you lose somebody like Lane Johnson, I think Russell Wilson will tell you all about the importance <laughs> of the, the O-line. But also I, I think um, what, what has been fantastic and who knows how it ends, obviously, um, but the Lions... Um, for so long, the Detroit was the factory of sadness. And this year, <laughs> even if it doesn't end up, they have been brilliant and they are building. And they, uh, you know, as somebody starved of offensive points since 2017, I look longingly at the Detroit Lions and, and what they're able to, to do and the ways in which they can attack you. Um, and I think that has been really, really um, intriguing. And maybe actually a third point is... Um, what we are seeing now in terms of um, cornerbacks transitioning into the league, because I think it's over the past few years, right, we have seen maybe QBs and wide receivers uh, find the transition a little bit easier. Maybe, um, you know, Mahomes is obviously the, the standout, but, you know, you think of Justin Jefferson and his rookie year. Um, and it, CBs found it a little bit more difficult. But Pat Sertain last year, Sauce Gardner, Woolen with the the Seahawks, it's a it's an interesting trend, uh, I think, and um, it will be, I suppose, to see how that continues, and to see what happens with the the in terms of the the draft. Obviously, the Seahawks, after such a good season, are probably going to end up with a top three pick from the the Broncos. So, lots to to maybe see what happens there. And for you, Phoebe, as you look at it today, um, where where do you um, see, you know, may maybe let's not go with the Super Bowl, but the championship games. Do you have do you, uh, four, four teams that, that you think may end up uh, battling it out? 
Ooh. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like week 17 really changed things a lot, right? We saw Green Bay come to life more than we've ever. I mean, that was a statement game by their defense and special teams predominantly. Um, but I mean, they're 100% in the running front for, um, you know, I think Eagles should, fingers crossed, they should be able to. I do really want the Eagles to be successful. Um, I've loved what they've done. I think it'll be interesting to see whatever happens with this Bills Bengals game when it's whenever it is replayed um, or whatever they decide to do with that because it almost becomes like a round robin at some in some ways of of the Chiefs Bills and Bengals those are your top three quarterbacks in the AFC um, and whoever doesn't win that game will have to play the other teams twice and that's that's a challenge that is not an easy place that's not really where you want to be um, but I mean. Yeah, I'm trying to think who I like. Trevor Lawrence is getting hot still. Like his momentum has been amazing. I, I don't think we've ever had such a competitive time of year right now. Is like as we do with the quarterbacks that we have. I mean, you can't take away from 49ers and Brock Purdy. Like their defense has been balling out, but like third quarterback. I mean, that is so special. I, I don't know if I can even narrow it down to which four teams I want to see because. I think any of these championship games are going to be so competitive because of the actual talent they have across the board. You know, it's not going to be like your Steelers Raiders game where it's just, you know, kind of chugging away, running the ball, low scoring. I think anything we see is probably going to be a quite high scoring game, whether it's through defenses, getting pick sixes or um, just these amazing quarterbacks receiver combos that we have. Yeah, and, and as you were going through it there, I mean, again, what stands out possibly from this year is the importance of coaching. The fact that Trevor Lawrence, you know, took that step. The fact that because of Kyle Shanahan's genius, and this is the guy who, again, has lost, you know, so many of his assistants. My, uh, you know, my uh, Mike Daniel goes to the Dolphins, Robert Sala, um, uh, and very talented individuals, he's down to his third QB and, and they still go out um to do it. So certainly um you you know the the need for a, a great coach I think is is ever more important. And I can't let you go given I'm a Broncos fan, how would you go about fixing the Broncos? Are are they right? Uh, like did they go down the short pit? Would you if you were if you were in 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 place, are they? Do they go down the short Payton path? Do they go down the Jim Harbaugh path, or should they, you know, should they open it up to say, you know, okay, it didn't work with Daniel Hackett as a first time head coach, but, um, you know, you you look at um how it has worked for the Giants and the Vikings and so on. Um, what one is? How do you fix Russell Wilson and the Broncos, Phoebe? Yeah, and I think you you do definitely need an offensive-minded guy, I'd say, right now, just to really give that extra emphasis. Or if you are the head coach coming in, you need to make sure you have some sort of like offensive genius to come and assist them because you're stuck with Russell, essentially, um, at least for a few years. So you have to be able to build around him. You have to figure out what his strengths are. And and it's always tough because, you, you know, I guess it's similar to college in some ways with, with recruiting, you come in, you've got a bunch of guys that you just have with through their contracts, but they don't necessarily fit your scheme. And I think you really have to, as an OC, look at your players and then fit your scheme to your players 
not try and fit your players to your scheme. So I think you need someone who's got that right mindset. I don't know if it would be a situation that Peyton would want to necessarily put himself in. You know, he's a guy who at this point could pretty much go anywhere with anybody. And, you know, he wants, but he wants a, a quarterback he can, you know, no pun intended, ride with. Um, so I, I just don't see Russell Wilson being that guy. I think he's probably too set in his ways in a lot of a lot of um, ways. So I think Harbaugh could be a really cool solution for him there. Um, you know, maybe someone like Dan Quinn could potentially be there. You know, somebody that really wants to just like buy in, work hard is not, they have to, I'd say the biggest thing I found with Daniel Hackett and every young coach, every young head coach goes through these, growing pains but I think the biggest thing is he lost the locker room and I think he didn't have the confidence to bench Russell Wilson and I think you need to go in as a head coach it doesn't matter who your star players are you have to be able to go in and say no you're sitting no you're doing this and I look at some of the I look at some of the young head coaches that have done that in the past you know whether it's um Dable, you know, they've had to make tough decisions or Coach McDermott making tough decisions like, but they've done it. It's not easy, but they've done it. And I think that says more to a, a locker room and the rest of your players than just letting something slide for a long period of time. So you have to not be afraid to hurt people's feelings, I'd say. And I think Nathaniel Hackett probably wasn't the guy to do that because there were too many things and and he needed to be in a much more confident place than he necessarily was. Yeah, no, I think um, I, I'm reminded that Alex Ferguson always said that the manager um, or, you know, head coach in an NFL situation had to be the most important person in the, the building, no matter who the players were. And when you think about, even with Brady, the fact that, say, under B.A., B.A. was still the alpha. He was still the one making the calls. We saw him um, have a go at Brady plenty of times. Now that that isn't there... They've struggled, obviously, because Tom Brady, they've made the playoffs. But um, I, I think absolutely that the head coach needs to be the the most important person in the building and ultimately the one who is dictating what the, the team is doing. TB, it's always fantastic to, to chat to you. And I know listeners um, will all, all, you know always enjoy your stuff. For for you over the, the next few weeks when uh, people want to check you out, obviously you're, we're going to see you on the, the screen with Jeff and with Neil. Um, what else have you got going on? Oh, man. So, yeah, so definitely lots of football. Um, our GB program, our women's tackle program has started back up and our women's flag program over here is getting ready for the Euros this summer. So lots of practice. Um Got some NFL flag events going on in the States. And, you know, before you know it, it's Pro Bowl, which will be exciting with the new seven on seven, you know, flag uh, attitude that's going on. And then, yeah, Super Bowl. So I'm like, really, it's all going to fly by so quickly. The fact that we're January and, and within, what, five weeks, it's six weeks, it's all over with. It's crazy. I don't want it to end. <laughs> Yeah, it, it does. It goes by so quick. I am intrigued by the new Pro Bowl to see how it worked because it desperately needed to change. Yeah. But it's funny to look back on those old videos of Peyton Manning and even, you know, and, and the others involved in some of the drills and, you know, kind of how fun that looked. And one, you know, they, they needed to bring the fun back into it. It seems like that is certainly the direction they are going. Uh, so that will be something to, to keep an eye on. 
And uh, yeah, certainly all, all of the, the best and continued success to you. It has been fantastic to, you know, just to see um, how great, you, uh, you, you know, things have gone for you over the past couple of years. And what very well uh, deserved, you are one of the best analysts in the business. And we appreciate everything you bring when you are on our television screens. And thank you for taking the time to join me today. Thank you so much for having me. I love your stuff and I can't wait to be in Ireland in the summer. Looking forward to seeing you then. <laughs> See you.